1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Thorough Talk. Of course, I'm Thorough Bailey, and uh, we have a very exciting show today. Uh, one of my very good friends uh, and competitors uh, in college and the NBA. As a matter of fact, I first was introduced to his elbows in, in college. He was a an outstanding player at Wichita State University. As a matter of fact, he played alongside of Antoine Carr, the big dog at Wichita State. And I i got to meet him. Uh, he introduced himself to me on the court at the Rainbow Classic in Hawaii. That's right. Everybody, let's welcome Cliff Livingston. Cliff, how you doing, my man?
0: Man, I'm doing good, T-Bay. I'm doing good, man. I'm just enjoying life and and, and living it to the fullest
1: how are you getting through this, uh, you know, before we came on air, you used the word, man, it just, just kind of hit me, tranquility, it sounds like you're in a good place right now, living out in Texas?
0: No, I'm in, matter of fact, I'm in, I'm in, in Indiana. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about an hour and 20 minutes east of downtown Chicago, um, you know, off Lake, Michigan, but uh, I live in a county, and, you know, I have a 10-acre little farm with,
1: Horses, goats, chickens. So, so, uh, so. hold food, on, hold on. Pigs. Wait, did, weren't you raised in Cal- San Diego, California, my brother?
0: <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> I, I was raised in San Diego, California, and a city boy, and, you know, there's always a woman you're chasing, and they let you chase until they let you catch them. And <laughs> I, I've been hooked ever since out here in the country. I, I mean, I love it, man. You know?
1: uh, that is awesome. Well, you know, of course our listeners... We'll be very interested in, I mean, we'll get to the, the, the point. You won two NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls. And, and with this latest Last Dance craze, uh, I'm sure our listeners are very interested in, in one, your relationship with MJ, but, but also uh, getting to those championships and what it took. But I'm, this, this episode, this show is really about the journey. And I'm really interested in, in one, how you got there and some of the things you had to go through to get there. So we're going to address kind of your later years in the second part of this episode. But take me back to San Diego, man. I mean, how was it growing up there, and how did you first get started or or knowing that you wanted to play basketball?
0: Well, really, I hated basketball. What? Uh, Yeah, I did. I really hated basketball. I wanted to be a pro baseball player. Okay. How ironic is that? And you know, um, my my junior high school, high school coach saw me and started, you know, working with me. And uh, I wasn't like everyone else; didn't have all the skills and the fancy dribbling, can shooting, and all that stuff. But you know, one thing he did teach me, which was the foundation of how I grew so fast, because I didn't start till I was in the um, eighth grade, okay. So that's when I first started playing basketball. So he just told me he just gave me drills to do and fundamental stuff. And next thing you know, I kept it with everyone else. And then by the end of the year, I made the all star game, uh, all star team my first year. So, did it, 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 you know,
1: did it come easy to you? I mean, did, would you? Did you have to put the work in? Now, you, you ended up being 6'8. So how how tall were you back then in junior high school?
0: I was I was six I was five eleven I remember being five eleven because I wanted to be six foot, but it, it didn't come easy because I had to work I really I really worked my butt off, you know um, I had um, did a lot of things all the other guys did, uh, but after practice I added I did a lot more things mm-hmm. and that's what caught me up to everyone. And then it eventually surpassed everyone, you know. It's, um, you know, I I've, God gave me the ability to get off the ground. I remember my first dunk, I was uh, eighth grade, and I finally dunked it. And it was like, for me, it was like, oh, my God, I can get off the ground. And it was exciting, you know. And then I just started working on different parts of my game. By the time I was a senior in high school, I was one of the top five recruits out of California. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fundamental guy. You know, I teach, I, I tell kids all the time, if you if you can understand the fundamentals of the game, you can play with anybody. I don't care how talented they are. You can you can play with them and be there right there with them, and especially on defense, understanding angles.
1: Right. Well, what was the importance of angles? I mean, I, I hear uh, I hear a lot of coaches talk about that nowadays. I'm not sure a lot of kids understand what that has to do with basketball.
0: Well, it's like this. I know where you're trying to go, and I know where I I need to be at to stop you from where you're trying to go. If I can beat you to that angle, that spot at an angle, I can turn you and make you change your direction. Mm -hmm. And and it's all pivoting and understanding how much to pivot, how much to open up, because a lot of kids – Open up and we call it the Olay defense where they just go right by you. <laughs> but it's just, it's just a little, a little pivot, a little 30, a 30 to 40 degree angle that you just open up and go to and you can catch anybody. I don't care how fast they are. They can be the fastest guy in the world, but if they're trying to get to the basket, you can beat them to that spot to make them change their shot. And, and that's, that's what I teach a lot of that and understanding why you do things. And how you do things you know a lot of these kids play the game but they don't understand the game
1: yeah and a lot of that has to do with that basketball iq that's well said and i try to teach those same things um siblings were you an only child did you have somebody pushing you you have a sister that kicked your butt when you were younger on the court <laughs> oh
0: well i didn't had nobody on the court that really beat me um you know i was basically a pioneer when it came to the family and that but it was it was five of us. I had two, uh, two brothers and two sisters. I was next to the eldest. So it was basically everybody looked up to me, what I did. They followed what I did, followed my lead. So I was basically pioneering and um, pushed, forging way for a lot of things for our, to happen for our family.
1: Mm-hmm. So you got a scholarship, obviously, to Wichita State. Yeah. How did that come about? I know you had some choices.
0: Well, you know what, though? I wanted to get out of California, to be honest. I didn't want to be in California. I had Marquette, Minnesota, Wichita State, Arizona, uh, U, uh, UNLV. Those are my top five schools. Mm. And then it came down to Wichita State and UNLV. I chose UNLV. My mother said, nah, I think we're going to go to Wichita State. <laughs> 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 so, but. But how, how I really got to Wichita State is Antoine Carr and I, we, we played in a lot of little, you know, you play those Dapper Dan, yes. those McDonald's All-Americans. So we played in a lot of those together and, uh, you know, against each other and together. And we decided, we started talking about the schools that were looking at us and Wichita State was one school that both of us was, uh, they were highly recruiting both of us. So I went to Wichita State, you know, it, it was Antoine Carr who really got me to, uh, commit wow. to, to Wichita State. You know, my mother. Between my mother and Antoine Carr, that's how I got to Wichita State. And like I said, he was he was very instrumental in helping me find my way. Yeah. In the Midwest, first snowstorm. Never, you know, never been in the snow. You know, my first year there, it was fourteen foot snowdrifts. So it was it was a (laughs) shocker, but it literally was a shocker. But he he helped. He helped me understand what the Midwest is about and the people about, and I fell in love with the people.
1: Well, were you thinking on that that first big snowstorm, man, I wish my mama would have let me go to UNLV.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you know what,
0: though? I loved it. Honestly, I loved it. I remember I had walking walking to the, uh, the, the class. I was just mesmerizing, and I was in awe with, with all the snow. Wow. And ever since then... I love I love the snow. I, I you know when, when I'm up here in the Chicago area, and I can't wait for when it's winter time comes for the snow.
1: Come on, man, that's a whole different ball of wax. Man. Winter in Chicago,
0: man. man, I love it. Believe you me, I
1: love it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> you had some great years at Wichita State, obviously, and and um, you ended up foregoing your senior year, if I'm right, and and being drafted first round, ninth overall pick to the Detroit Pistons. What was that like?
0: Well, you know what? Um, My time at Wichita State was was phenomenal. I mean, you know, I I got a chance to really, at Wichita State, we we got a chance to play against a lot of high-caliber teams. You know, uh, NC State was one of them. We met over in in the Rainbow Classic, Rice University, uh, San Francisco. So I got a chance to match my skills up against, you know, Ricky Pierce, you and, uh, Sydney Green, I mean, Sydney, uh, Sydney Lowe and, and, and Whitberg, yeah. um, up in San Francisco with, with, uh, uh, uh Quentin Daly and, yeah. and wow. Wallace Bryant. So, you know, I got a chance to really see where I was at. Honestly, I never really thought about playing pro ball until mm. after my, um, sophomore year in college. I just I just wanted to go to school, get my you know get a get a degree, and that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted basketball to take me, but it took me even further, you know.
1: Was it was, and, was part and, of that? Was part of that because you weren't sure whether you could make it in the NBA or well, was it confidence?
0: I didn't know. I just didn't even think about NBA. It wasn't confidence. It was just I never even thought about playing uh, professional basketball. It wasn't it wasn't even on the radar for me when I first uh you know got to school. It was just I I get a chance to go to school, college, meet a bunch of guys, yeah, um, make some friends, have a good time. That's all I thought about. Man. And, you know, everything everything fell into place for me, you know. I started getting good really good. They start, you know, the uh, the uh uh Dick Mattel and everybody started putting a stamp on my name so it was like wow I must be pretty good I didn't realize how good I was <laughs> honestly you know and when I did when I finally did realize it it was like okay maybe I can play pro ball well I mean he's like well you can go after your junior year I'm like I don't know if I can go to the top 10 if I can get to the top 10 then it'll be worth me coming out early but if not I'm going to stay in school Right. And, you know, lo and behold, I was, I was going to go anywhere from six to 10. So, you know, when I got drafted, it was, it was like the, the pinnacle of, of my career, you know. Yeah. I find, I mean, I I made it to the NBA. Wow. But that first year was a, a real eye opener.
1: In what way? You know, you think,
0: well, you, that's when you think you, you know it all, you all this, you all that, and you get to the team and they like, you're a rookie, they treat you like garbage. He's like, Damn. Hey, I thought I was all that.
1: Hey, and you and you went to one of the worst most hated teams in the league too. So, well,
0: uh, I, well, back then back then back then, no, back then Detroit wasn't really known like that.
1: Didn't have that reputation when I, when
0: yet. I, no, didn't have a reputation yet because when I got to Detroit, we had Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. Bill Laimbeer, Kelly ChaPuka, um uh Kent Benson, John Long, Terry Tyler Vinny Johnson,
1: wow, those names just I mean we' taken me we, back, yeah,
0: but yeah, but and the whole thing is when we got there we we, we, we lost to I remember my first year to make the playoffs, my second year we um we lost to uh New York Knicks, and Bernard King had back to back fifty point games on us with a broke finger yeah. on both hands.
1: I was a recipient so it, it was, of a lot of those, so I understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it it was it was when, when we when we like I said when I got to Detroit, it was like the rookie who don't know <laughs> shit. It it, 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 was, it was the craziest thing I had. I, you know, you know, back then you had you had coaches who didn't like rookies. Yep. And I got one of those. Um, I got one rookie. I don't care what you did, you could not do it right. Yeah. So. I had a, uh, Scotty Robinson was my, my first coach and I remember him telling me, he said, I don't know how you got to the league. What? You're a dumb <laughs> rookie. You don't know. <laughs> and then, and on top of that, you are, you should be paying up to be on the floor. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He told me that my first year and I'm like, I, 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 I was, I was ready to quit basketball, but. One thing my coach told me a long time ago, <clears throat> you can either prove a person right or prove a person wrong. If right. you quit, you prove them right. If you push through and make them look at they, they, they made a mistake or they, they said something wrong, then you prove them, you prove them wrong. And I was, I was, I was hell bent on proving him wrong. You know, matter of fact, he, he helped me last 13 years
1: in the pros. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a great, great. Nope. That was a great, great lesson in, in what you just said, um, and, and obviously you spent a couple of years there, and, and then went on to Atlanta Hawks next, where you would spend most of your career, which I imagine was a better situation for you.
0: Well, you know what though, it was. It, it, well, when I got traded to Atlanta, believe, believe me, I cried like a baby. My first trade. I mean, I really, I did not want to leave Detroit. I thought I was going to be part of the the whole building process and all this stuff. They had just told me that in my exit meeting, uh, the second year, and then the next thing I knew, I, I get a call on draft. They tell me I'm trading to Atlanta. I did not want to go to Atlanta. Matter of fact, I sent someone down to Atlanta to set up, find me an apartment, set me all up, and everything. And then I just went there when it was time for training camp. Mm-hmm. I, like like two, uh, like two weeks before training camp, I went down to Atlanta. But Atlanta ended up being the best place for me to really find uh, what I did well in the league and what my skill set could be beneficial to any team. Uh, You know, I played with, I mean, I had Dominique Wilkins, Tree Rollins, uh, Doc Rivers, uh, uh, Eddie Johnson, (laughs) um, you know, um, Randy Whitman. I mean, I had a bunch of guys who were good. And then also Antoine came with me. Antoine got drafted by Detroit, didn't play with Detroit, We got traded to Atlanta together. Yep. So we played together in Atlanta for years.
1: You guys had a squad. Yeah,
0: so we had a little an squad. But my favorite team of all time, the whole time I played, was the 87 Hawks. I mean, Antoine, uh, Doc Rivers, Dominique Wilkins, Tree Rollins, Kevin Willis, John Battle, Spud Webb, myself, Scott Hastings, <laughs> Randy Whitman. I mean – we did everything together and that's what I loved about that team is yeah. we get up in the morning, we have breakfast, we meet and we have breakfast, we go to practice. After practice, we get together, we go to lunch. Then after lunch, we go hang out at the mall. Then we go home and then we regroup, regroup and go to the club. So it was, it, we, we did everything together. Even on the road, we did the same thing on the road. We would get together, have breakfast, go to movies. We just, we just did everything together and that was one of my favorite times of playing not only was it uh a competitive team, we competed all the time, but it also was a show team. I mean, we love to dunk and run and get up and down the floor. So it was it was awesome.
1: Well, you when you when you talked about that team and how you guys were, it really it really took me back to my days with the Utah Jazz in similar ways, you know, being on the team with the Mark Eaton and Bobby Hanson, Carl Malone, John and John Stockton. We were a close knit group. And a lot of that stemmed from, you know, Frank Layden who started us out, but then George Sloan coming into it. But, uh, but I, man, you threw those names out, and I'm, I'm I'm flashing back games. where I have to guard the, hum- <laughs> the human highlight film and Dominique Wilkins. And, uh, so, hey, we're gonna take a quick break, and and we're gonna move on to the next phase of your journey, uh, which. Obviously, it's very exciting. You go to the Chicago Chicago Bulls. So we're going to pick up from there when we get back. Stay with us. This is Thorough Talk. We'll be right back with Cliff Livingston.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They
1: pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought,
0: and there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to Thorough Talk. We've got... Uh, Cliff Livingston, one of my good friends and and was a foe in the NBA. We had some great battles against each other. <laughs> we were discussing uh, his time with the Detroit Pistons, and he contrasted that when he went to the Hawks and, and how that team was so much different and they spent so much time together doing things. Well, Cliff, I want to really uh, focus on, you know, with with the last dance craze, obviously people are watching. It's great television, obviously. Um, but you have you have more than a front row seat I mean you went to the Chicago Bulls in nineteen ninety from the Atlanta Hawks um, and I know i i i you have to tell me i don't know in college well you did you have a chance to play against Michael when he was at North Carolina and you were at Wichita state?
0: no I never got a chance to play against Michael matter of fact, we would have played against them in the uh, Michael and Isaiah in the final four. Right. Uh, my, 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 uh, sophomore year, but we lost to LSU. So, you know, that was my only chance to play against Michael, but, you know, then he got in the league and played several games against him. And, in fact, I got one of those games at playing with Atlanta and he, uh, somehow he got loose from Dominic and he was going to the corner. I ran out to the corner. He put the ball in my face and I tried to stop and fail and then he went and dunked the ball on the tree. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you didn't get dunked on, so you're good. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah but, hey, but they got me stumbling and falling back, though. You
1: know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know many yeah. of us who who weren't part of that. So talk to me about uh You're in, you're in Chicago now, right? It's a whole different mm-hmm. setting. First of all, your feelings uh when you got traded there. What was that like, and and uh, and then we'll get into more of uh, the last dance and, and what you've what you've mm-hmm. taken away from that.
0: Well, you know what, I, I didn't get traded to Atlanta. I, I I went to Atlanta as a free agent, and how that came about is um, we had just uh, changed up the nucleus of the team. We brought in Moses Malone, Reggie Theus, um, Mike McGee, so it, it just changed the nucleus of the team and. I felt that they wasn't really headed toward that championship type, uh, um, playoff team. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to win a championship. Yeah, at that point, I, in my career, I said I wanted to win a championship. So I started looking at contenders to win a championship. And Chicago, San Antonio, and New York were the three teams. And after talking with Chicago, then, um, Atlanta came back and offered me a four year, you know, four year guaranteed deal. And then I turned it down because I, I just felt that they wasn't really going the direction I wanted to go. Right. And I ended up taking a, a one year with an option with Orlando. Now, most of the time, you're like, man, that's a stupid decision. You know, it's like, why would you turn down four years for one, one year with a with an option? You know, you got guaranteed money. You know, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the the love of the game and to accomplish another goal that I wanted in life. And, you know, when I got to Atlanta, when I got from Atlanta to Chicago, the difference in the, the atmosphere was a big difference. It was the first team and the second team. In Atlanta, we were just all one mesh pot. Right. So I remember I remember, I was, you know, going up there hanging out with Michael and I just going, going to talk with Michael, hang out with Michael and Scotty and Horace and all them. And, you know, the second team said, man, you don't want to go up there with them. They, they, they act funny. We, we you know, they, they don't like us around with them and them them. I said, man, the hell with that. I'm, I'm, I'm a player just like they are. So I started hanging out with them. Next thing you know, we all started mingling. So we started gelling a little bit more. And then it was just the whole atmosphere started to change where we felt as a unit opposed to, um, two units. Yeah. And, and 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 that's that's what anything in any sport if you don't have the chemistry and the camaraderie you can't win you win games but you can't win uh uh titles
1: so so and, so Cliff, let me ask you this what to those other those other guys on that second level so to speak that that kind of warned you how did they get to feeling like they weren't Allowed to be part of that group, was it their own? Was it something that that first group did, or was it i mean how how was it that they felt like they couldn't um take that risk and mingle with the Michael Jordans and the Scottie Pippins on the same team?
0: well, you know it's it, you know it's always unwritten rules with every team right, and it was just an unwritten rule, and they didn't feel that they could be hanging around those guys. And I don't, I don't I never understood that because you know we're all we're all the best of the best, and you know we were in college we were the best at our, our colleges that's how we got to where we are, so how is it now? It's levels where this guy is better than this guy and this guy can't talk to this guy. It's like we're teammates. I don't I don't, I, don't, I never understood it. It was just that's just how they felt, and I I don't know what made them feel like that. You know uh Michael can be intimidating because he's one of those guys who who demands certain things around people, you know, come up to be around him, you know, and I guess some of the guys thought that they didn't fulfill or live up to that to his uh yeah expectations. I mean, I didn't. I mean, he was just, just a regular dude just like I was. That's how I looked at it.
1: Now the perception obviously that we all get when we watch that was was Michael came to work and he he wanted to win badly enough, and I think he said it himself. Yeah, you know, I, I win at all costs. So, talk about some of those practices. Uh, were there any? Oh
0: my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Practices practices are brutal. I mean, honestly, I mean, my, see when the, the, the Bulls brought me on board to beat up Scotty every day to be physical with him, to, so. He can handle when he gets out on the court, and, and, and you know, as you know as an athlete, if you see something every day, every day, it becomes normal and it doesn't bother you or phase you anymore. Right. And that was the whole thing with Scotty. Scotty, you know, the Pistons had tormented him and beat him up and and you know, beat him to submission. And he he was just one of those guys who, if he saw something enough, then he was good. But if he didn't. He was unsure of it, and you know with with me, I mean, we literally got in fights every day in practice. I mean a lot of times we get in fight fish fights in practice We know ready to go blows. but after the after practice, we hung out everything was cool he under yeah he understood my my job, my job was to come in and and rough you up every day and but afterwards, we left it on the court, you know and and that's, that's one thing I can say Scotty matured when it came to that. He, he understood that, Hey, I got to get better. I got to do everything I have to do to get to the next level. If it costs for me getting beat up every day and having to adjust to it, then I'll do it. But he didn't take it as a personal attack. He took it as professional, mm-hmm. like a uh, challenge and so- he stepped up to the challenge, you know.
1: So I watched uh, the seven and eight episodes the other night and and there was a particular part in there when Michael, uh, when Scott Burrell had to deal with Michael in practice, (laughs) right? So um, Uh did you have, and I know you probably didn't have to directly guard Michael, but it felt like there was, listen, Michael said he was trying to get Scotty to fight him. Now, ain't no way in the world that you're going to pick a fight with the best player in the game, right? One because of potentially your job. So, mm-hmm. was there that was that was was that another unwritten rule? Uh, even though Michael wanted you to challenge him, there were certain things you didn't want to take too far.
0: Man, let me tell you something. I didn't have that. My 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 whole thing was, if you if you if you keep poking me and prodding me, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the, the beast come out. <laughs> I don't care who you are. It didn't matter, you know. I mean, I've gotten I've gotten to a scuffle with one of the the uh, premier players on the team before, but you know what? Though I wasn't backing down.
1: Right, and that that's was what they the want.
0: Thing, Michael, Michael, Michael wants you to step up because he wants to know he can count on you. When something go down, he know you got his back. That's all. That's all about. And then he wants you. And, and one thing, and thing, another thing about Michael is. He wants to make you the best player you can be because the better you are, the easier his job becomes. He knew Scott was talented, Burrell was talented, but he had to find that fire in him to make him take it to the next level, so he can be ferocious. And he could never, he could never prod that out of him. He would do whatever he got to do. And one thing about Michael, if you just lay down for Michael. Oh, he's gonna walk all over you and just treat you so bad until you step up and be a man, have a backbone.
1: So did you ever see that other side of Michael uh was that on display as well? And was there a sensitive side? Was there a a side that had you know had a need for that that camaraderie and, and kind of let loose?
0: <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> Mike didn't show no vulnerabilities. That's one thing about him, is he would not show you any vulnerability any vulnerabilities. Uh, he uh, he was he was one of those guys who he he thought if people saw his weakness they would take advantage of him, mm-hmm. and he wasn't gonna let no one take advantage of him. He he, he was like I said he he was ruthless and, and relentless when it came to his craft. Um, it's almost like a prize fighter. If you feel you can hit a prize fighter, then he's, he's pretty much hittable. Right. But if you feel you can't hit him, he's invincible. It's like you going in, damn, I'm going to lose already. So that's, a, that's, that's part of his mentality is I'm not going to give you a chance to even think you can hang out with me or do anything with me. I'm, I'm just going to kick your butt and, and, and whether I hurt your feelings or not, I'm not going to show any kind of sympathy for you because then you'll see My soft side. But I did see a softer side when it came to his family. Right. But on the court, on the court, never.
1: So you went to -to back-to-back championships. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a euphoria. There's a celebration that comes with that. Um, there's There's a point where everybody says, wow, we did it. We reached the pinnacle of this um was how were, how were those celebrations? I mean, with everything you just told me like about the practices and the team and Michael and no vulnerability on, on the other side of things, uh what what were those like? What were those championships like? What did it bring you guys closer together? Did it allow Michael to be more vulnerable? Um Tell me Well,
0: you know what though, it, it was it was the winning that, the winning that first championship, it was like, it was euphoric. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, I finally reached the top. I'm, I'm, I'm a champion. i I've I obtained one of my main goals in life was to win a championship, being part of a championship team. And with Michael, you know, he, it was a, a, a thirst and a hunger for him to do that. Um, the celebrations, the celebrations was a blur. All I can tell you, it was a blur. Right. Because we won. It was everybody pulling you every which way. You're going here. You're doing this, you doing this. You don't remember hardly anything. Hardly and next thing you know, it's time for training camp.
1: Time to get back to work. So it was like, okay, right, I can get
0: ready, get ready for next year. Well, Michael always compared himself to Magic and Bird. So – you know, he said at the at the at the, at the um parade. Well, we got to win another one. So now, when Michael said that, everyone knew. Damn. Okay, I can only party for so long and enjoy this for so long because we got to get back to the grind. And Michael's not going to c- settle for us to come in the training camp not ready to defend our title. Right. So we went at it. We we went right back at it again, real hard. I mean, and Michael's drive that next year was even more so. He he really demanded. I mean he had he's one of those guys who he says who he wants around him. Right. You know, I was one of the guys I was one of the guys that he took money off his contract and deferred it in order to fit me under the salary cap. Um he did that with a few guys that he believed in and wanted to be with him I mean wanted to go on the ride with him. Well the next year he came back, you know, we had um um Bobby Hansen came instead of Dennis Hobson. Mm-hmm. They changed that up, you know. Um, and it was another, like I said, Bobby Hansen. He came at Bobby Hansen every day. The year before that, he came at Dennis Hobson every day. So you know, he always challenged himself to to have battles to right. make him stay sharp, stay hungry, and and, and stay on the grind. And he uh he was one of those guys who wasn't satisfied with just winning. He wanted to make sure you know his dominance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he was. He's gonna show his dominance. And that second championship was more about getting on the level of Bird and matches. Right. That was his that was his So his if I could do a back to back then I could be on the level of the bird and magic. And he's one of those guys who just have a drive that's so far above and beyond guys that I played with and played against. It was just a drive. I mean, he just he wanted the whole pie.
1: Yeah. So but Go ahead.
0: But wait a minute, but not in a selfish way. That's one thing I can say about Michael. Michael's probably one of the most least selfish players I have played with in my entire career.
1: Greatest of all time.
0: Of all of, of all time. It's not even a question who's 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 going to who's going to take his place right now because it's not even inside right now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree exactly. Hey, I've I got a little sidebar here I want to ask you about because you were in the early years. Mm-hmm of Jerry Krause Mm -hmm. and, and and obviously uh, you know, the last dance really focuses on the fact that he talks about that, you know, Phil Jackson's going to be his last year. Um, And he's really kind of portrayed as a guy who couldn't get out of his own way. Did you see any of that in, in jury early on?
0: (laughs) I got firsthand of (laughs) Jerry, you know, uh, because, I ended up with the one-year deal. He told me he was going to give me a four-year deal like Atlanta was going to give me. And then it came down to just a one-year deal. And then I had to talk myself into an option year. And then we had an unwritten agreement that if I do well the first two years, he would give me the last two years. When it came down to it, the reason why I left Chicago was – Uh, After the second championship, he came to me and told me, "Well, in order for you to stay, you're going to take a pay cut." And I said, "Jerry, I don't want to. I I, I don't want more more money. All I want is just the years that you told me at the same salary." He said, "Well, you have to take a pay cut." And that's why I said, "Well, you know what? It's time for me to go because you 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 messed me around the first time because you told me I had a four year, then you gave me." Uh, one year and then I had to really talk myself, talk you into give me a, an option and then I did well on that one. So time for me to go. So Jerry Krause is one of those guys that, that will talk you into something and then back out of it. Right. When, when when it, when it, when it's to his benefit, you know, uh, and then also if he's one, if he, you're one of his favorite players or a player he really likes, there's nothing he won't do to make sure you're, you're, he signed you. You know, Tony Kukoc was one. He loved uh, Joe Wolf because he was trying oh, to get Joe wow. Wolf instead of my. Yeah, he was trying to get Joe Wolf instead of me. Um, even after I signed, he still was trying to get Joe Wolf, and Joe ended up signing with the Clippers. So you know, he's, he's, he's Jerry is Jerry, and you you take him for what it's worth. I mean, he's one of those guys that one of those one of those guys that. You don't believe them until you see it on paper and signs. Yeah, and you have the paper in your hand. That's when you believe it. Other than that, no, he's one of those guys. He's, he's one of those guys. So he's one of those guys. That, like I said, he gets in his own way. Right. He'll he'll create something great, but then find a way to tear it up.
1: Yeah, be aware of those unwritten deals, man. Um, so, in a nutshell, I want. Can you kind of sum up? I mean, you obviously you, you spent a lot of years in the league. You, you've you've been on in the best of times, the worst of times. You played with and against the best. Um, if you had to sum that up, as far as that learning experience for you moving forward, you're at your highest. You 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 won two back back to back championships. Few few people ever get to win two championships back to back in any sport. Um. Whatever are uh, maybe a couple of lessons that translate to doesn't matter what arena you're in whether it's business or family or whatever that that you may have picked up along the way that that you're teaching your kids and you're living by <laughs>
0: enjoy moments don't try to don't try to don't try to make memories just enjoy moments because the moments you can will last i mean if you're trying to build memories nothing's saying that something's given for tomorrow so you know you may be trying to build a memory for uh for down the road down the road may never come with with sports and business you know it, all it takes is one catastrophic uh, uh event to change everything this pandemic is one of them right if you look at this pandemic has changed a lot of uh businesses and people who thought they were on this path to greatness but it just takes one moment to change everything so or one episode to change everything so enjoy the moments you know relish spending moments with people and and conversations with people because those are the things that that you can always relive in your mind and and also relive with them
1: man i like that I like that, Cliff. And you know, speaking of it, it sounds like you know you're you're building a legacy, and you're doing some great things. Obviously, um, as you're in your later years, you've got a foundation called Legends Leaving Legacies.
0: Yes, Tell and you something. know what? See, see, Legends to me is not just athletes; it's doctors, lawyers, um, businessmen. Um, your 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 neighborhood coaches, those are those are legends to me because they're impacting people's lives throughout. So my foundation is about helping the community. Um, you know whether it's whether someone is trying to raise money for to to for band band uh, for band instruments. Yeah, you know I le- I lend my platform to people who's trying to do things. You know, whether it's uh, um adult handicapped people, you know building building houses and for these adults to live to learn how to live on their own. Stuff like that. I, I'm about I'm about trying to help others with my platform because I know that if I go to the news or the media, they'll wanna hear something I have to say. Whereas if they go to the media, it's a fifty fifty shot. Right. So I, I, I try to lend them my my voice, my face, and also my monetary and physical assets to help any and everyone. Our biggest thing right now is helping um, helping kids go on college tours um, to see if college is for them. Mm-hmm. College is, college is not for everyone, um, so you have to go down. We want them to go down, get on the campus, experience what the campus is about. What what college life is about and see if that's for you. If it's not, we also have trade schools that we deal with um, that we try to send kids to trade schools. Um, and the trade schools is kids who are more artsy, who hands-on, or like that. We try to help them because it's about helping these young people find their way to be productive citizens down the road because we tend to forget that the kids now... Are going to be taking care of us, and also security is. That's right. If we don't start helping them find their way and understand what life's really about, we're going to be in trouble because they're not going to be put into the system. The system we bankrupt. So you know that's what it's about trying to help these kids. You know, I, I try. We we try to do college tours um, to help help defer some of the costs from the parents. Right. Because you know, going to visit schools is not cheap. And what we do is we put together a few schools and let them go to about three or four schools, and see that what what college is about. And then we also we we take we take most of the cost away from the parents and the kids. So it's a win-win. It's a, it's a triple win. The parents get some money out, you know, have worry about spending all that money. The kids get to go see the college, and then we're helping out with our foundation.
1: So I mean, that's 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 a powerful powerful service, man. How where do I send people? For more information,
0: well, we did, we just have we we're our uh we I've been doing it basically last three years out of my pocket, and I finally did my five hundred one c three a couple years ago, and finally got that going. Okay. Oh, so right now we we we're in the process of putting together our website, but we have a our uh, Facebook page is Legends Leaving Legacies um, Inc.
1: Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, we've been really enlightened. I think the last thing I'd like to touch on, I mean, I, I keep going back to that word tranquility <laughs> that you used before we got on the call and it sounds like you're in a great place. Um, you're enjoying your time on the ranch with the horses. Um, I just appreciate you, your friendship. Uh, we both are members of the NBA Retired Players Association. So we get to see each other a couple of times a year, but Cliff, it's always a pleasure talking with you and, and just reliving those memories thanks for taking us on your journey today well you're
0: quite welcome T-bay hey man, man let me just say one thing it's always a pleasure and an honor to be in your presence but more importantly to be considered a friend of yours thank you my brother
1: thank you Cliff Hey, take care of yourself be well and, and take care of your loved ones my man
0: I will you do the same all
1: right thank you everybody for joining right. us on this episode of Thorough Talk with Cliff Livingston and, uh, just remember, take care of yourselves out there during this pandemic. It's not over with, I know some things have eased up a little bit, but, um, let's just keep a, keep a strong and uh, vigilant diligent, uh, eye on everything and, and make sure that we're all in a safe place. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you next week.